I think the other biggest thing is we we saw slight impact or gaps in our systems and processes going from one to two. But whatever gaps we had going from two to three got exposed pretty dramatically. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Do you wish your employees were more engaged? Do you want your people to look forward to going to work? Join us as we discover ways to define, measure, and grow your culture. We'll also discover pitfalls to help you avoid common mistakes. We want to help you intentionally build a culture that fits you. Hey leaders, welcome back to Leaders Q uh, for another episode. I have today with me Scott Wynn, who's a multi, uh, uh, multi-unit operator in the Denver area. He has three locations and really glad to have you on the show, Scott. Thanks for joining. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jay. So Scott, uh, I was, you know, just kind of reviewing your history. You've been an operator for 21 years and um, started with that first location in, in uh, 02. And then I think second location in 2010. And then this, this last, this third opportunity came up and you were able to secure that in, in 2021. So I want to get into that story a little bit, but Part of your story, you were in the the barbecue world. You were in the barbecue service world for about seven years, and and thought, man, I'm just done with the restaurant industry, and went back for uh, finish your degree. But then you got a fateful call from a friend. Tell me about that phone call that you received from a friend, and how that changed your trajectory. Yeah, so I was in my last semester of school for my second stint, and I was about to graduate with. Uh, bachelor's degree with a minor in finance. And going into my last semester, I got a call from a, a great friend of mine, Zach DeRay Leo Lou, and we go back uh, to my barbecue days. And he gave me a call and said, Hey, uh, I need help. I can't find any leaders. My wife's due with our first child any day. Can you help me out? And I basically said, I'll give you my last semester. But uh, when I graduate in December, I'm out, I'm going to be a financial planner. I'm done with the restaurant industry. And <laughs> as soon as we, uh, as soon as I got connected, I started to hear the, the Truett Cathy story and just how they ran their operation. I got sucked back in. So I applied in October, graduated in December. And in January, I was in FRL. And I opened my store that following July of 2002. Oh my goodness. So Shout out to Zach out there. I've, I've gotten to meet Zach. He's an incredible operator and just uh, about an hour away from me here in Houston. So um, good, to, good to hear about him and his influence in your life. You and I got connected um, right before, you know, a, a while before you were, you, you had two locations and you were trying to grow your team and you were looking at this multi-level opportunity. And I have some questions around that, but before we get started in kind of those that nuts and bolts uh, part of your story. I wanted our listeners to learn a little bit more about your leadership style. Uh, and here's a question I like to ask that helps introduce that. So what would be your leadership superpower that people around you are, are benefited from? And then what might be a kryptonite that gets in your way for you? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I think one of my superpowers, if, if you want to call it that, that seems... A lot of ego can go into that, but I just feel like I'm 
kind of forward thinking, always have been. I'm always thinking three years out, uh, sometimes five. And how do I want that to be? So start planning accordingly. Um, very analytical. And I think I read people's nonverbal pretty well. And as far as the kryptonite, well, you know, we've got results and relationships and it's trying to find that balance. I'm wired analytically, um, results driven. And I know that can get in the way of my relationship. And through the years, I've come to realize that I can have both, but you really got to focus on relationships first. I love it. And that's such good awareness. Thanks for pointing out, you know, even my question could yeah, seem to, to indicate some ego in there, but I, I don't see that in you. And so I appreciate you the way you frame that. Um, I've noticed though, that you've done something and I see this on LinkedIn or on Instagram, wherever you're posting these, but I've seen something really fun that you've been doing with your team. I'd encourage anybody to go follow your, your you know, either Washington or Bradburn or federal, the, the three locations that you lead. So tell us a little bit, you you're a results guy, but you've worked really hard on the relationship thing. What are, have you been doing lately? That's been so fun for your team. So as I've kind of progressed from, you know, one store to two and to three, there's been a, a more of a drive to work on my relationship piece because I'm so analytical. I'm so driven with results. And I decided, you know, having my area director of operations, I'll let him focus on the results and I really need to focus on my uh, relationship. And, and, and I have to be really intentional about it because because I'm so analytical, I'm always thinking, but I, I come across as though I'm upset and people sometimes get a little intimidated. So I've been trying um, back when I was having two stores just to figure out how can I break down that barrier and be more, I guess, uh, just approachable. So we were giving out an award and I decided, you know, to really make it fun that I would come in these... Uh, turquoise colored pink flamingo shorts button down and fishing hat and just literally come in all boisterous and in, in the middle of a lunch rush uh, with a beach ball and hand out these water world tickets and literally just look like an idiot and uh the the crowd got bought into it the guests they were clapping for the winner that i presented right there in the middle of the front counter and um, it was just, again, a way to just break down this, you know, Scott is approachable. Scott is relational. So um, it was one of those like, yeah, I did not see that coming. And so it's been an ongoing process. And one of the things I found, and this was actually working with you, Jay, um, with Leaders Q, was, you know, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. And what I found was, as we started to analyze our people, specifically through the DISC assessment, is that about 60% of my leadership team and probably 75% of my executive team, they're all words of affirmation. And that's something I'm not. I want you to tell me what is going wrong and how I, and I'll figure out how to fix it. Um, I know what's working well. So with that, I've, I've actually had to focus on, let's see if I have it right now. I think I brought it. I've got these coins and I'm very intentional. I created them and it's basically, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this, but 
Did I compliment a team member today? Did I encourage a team member today? And I have the same thing with leaders. And the goal is, is whenever I come into uh, a store that I need to do those four things before I reach, you know, for my keys. And if I don't, I need to go back in. I am by far uh, perfect at this. And um, yeah, it's just a way to try to focus on the relationships, you know, during my uh, bacon and eggs meeting with my new team members. Um, I make it a point of like, look, my goal is to say hi and goodbye to every single team member. And if I'm not, then you need to like call me out and just say, hey, Scott, what's going on? And that's going to be my cue. Wow, I should have been fast enough or I didn't do my job. And especially if I'm just, you know, look upset, I'm probably thinking about something, processing something, come up and just throw a smile at me or say hello and that might be my cue to switch gears. I love it. I love it. I, okay, so we'll try to put in the show notes the some of the wording they use on the coins, so anybody that's just listening can see that because each coin had a different action, or you know that that you that you are looking to do every day. And so the idea is when you leave a location, one of your three locations, you want to make sure all those coins are moved out of that pocket when you reach for your keys. That's uh, what a what a tremendous practice. And so w- one of the fascinating things about that, Scott, is one, you're using your results brain to accomplish a relational thing. So I like how you make it just very tangible. It It's very clear if you're winning or not. And then the other thing that's so powerful about that is you're you're really giving your team permission to step past a, a perceived barrier. They look at your face, you're, you've got game on, you're intense. You know, you, you may look, I know t- intense people that I know tend to, the, the face ends up looking angry, but they're not angry, they're just thinking. And so you're giving them that permission to step past a perceived barrier and give you a chance to change a gear. So that, that is just powerful way to go on that. So thanks for sharing that story. Of course. So one of the questions I th- I think uh, also you know you're you are the first uh, three full freestanding location operator in the West, and for those who are not in the Chick Fil A world, the West is kind of everything uh, Denver to the West. It includes Arizona, California, all the way up to. Seattle all up in there. And so you and I had met, I was working with an operator here in Texas who was, had reached three locations and, and, and another operator before that, Scott Clark. So Scott Clark was, I think, number five in the chain that, that achieved three and maybe Gerald was number six. And then you might've been somewhere around number seven. So it was a tremendously new thing happening in Chick-fil-A for, for anyone to even reach that level of uh, and so there's been a lot of questions toward you about, you know, operators coming to visit. And, and I think one of the questions I'd like to unpack today is what is Chick-fil-A looking for that's different when you're going for three, as opposed to when somebody might be going for two? Well, so it's hard to say because when I got two, it was, I think, just a different mindset within the organization. It was 13 years ago. My impression going through the process is they just wanted to be confident that you could replicate all your successes with the one. And there wasn't that much focus on 
perhaps the people side of things. It was just, do you have the systems and processes to do so? My impression with three as of, you know, two years ago almost was what is the depth of your leadership team, the capacity of your leadership team, and do they understand fully the systems and processes? Can they articulate, can they communicate those processes and systems? And it's really about, they want to know that the store can be ran more or less without you. How deep into your organization did they, did they get to see, like actually talk to people? You know, you've got your level, you've got your kind of executive director level, and then there's levels below that. How, how deep do you feel like they were, maybe how deep did you present or how deep did they go look at? Well, they looked all the way down to the team member when they came in. Um, they, they were literally asking team members questions um, to, I think, you know, sniff out what the directors and other leaders, entry-level leaders were doing. But as far as displaying, it was pretty much so we have area directors, director of operations, directors, store leaders. So we pretty much highlighted from the directors on up, but made sure that store leaders had a, had a presence. But the idea was from team members all the way up, we're ready to communicate what we needed to. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had been coaching your team for a while before all of that was going on, but, you know, we, uh, I just remember kind of pulling aside and, and, you know, you want to be able to tell your story truthfully, right? You want everybody to be able to tell just the, the truth about what's going on. And so I know a lot of our team's work with your team was just helping them be comfortable with talking about what they were doing intentionally. So, um, those, those were good days. I, I don't know if you had any other comment about that process, but, um, yeah, that was, that was a, a a lot of preparation went into just helping people lower their blood pressure about a, a stressful day. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bottom line is there, it's gotta be authentic. They're going to see right through it. And my biggest, um, advice truly, I guess there's two bits of advice I would give if you're going for any process, maybe three. First one is if there's an opportunity close to you, maybe it's not go for it. It's going to sharpen, uh, the tools in your toolbox and you will be a better uh, leader and organization because of it. I guess the second is, is just be confident. Be confident in what you do know. We all have uh, lots of wisdom to, to give and experiences and yeah, it may be wrong, uh, you know, but I think they want to just know that you are confident and, you know, not cocky, but confident and um, humble, I guess, Confidence and humility would be the biggest ones. And also, don't be afraid to attack what I call the elephant in the room. I mean, if you're struggling in one area of the business, get in, talk about it, focus on it. Don't be afraid of it. And at the end of the day, once that's out of the way, they're going to feel so at peace from that point forward. Most people are afraid to, to talk about what they hope they don't want to talk, you know, get asked. That's really good advice. I appreciate you saying that that about the elephant in the room, because if if you completely avoid it, you're unprepared to talk about that elephant, then it looks like you really don't own it. But 
to tie a leash on that elephant or whatever, you know, to, to let them know you're, you're aware it's there. You're, you've done some things about it. You're working on plan A, B, and you've got C, D, and E out in the future ideas. So those are, that's a really good, cause that's a scary thing of, well, I hope we don't have to talk about that thing. So good job. That's a great piece of advice. I have a, a question too around what's changed. Okay. So we're, you know, we're a couple of years into this process with you, you know, you're, you're, have three locations. You've, you've learned, you know, how to work on relationships and let your area director of operations uh, be more focused on results. And you, I, I doubt you're not focused on results, but you're saying, you know, we can put more emphasis on relationships. So, but how else, what are some other ways that your role has really changed when you move from two to three that you've just really had to change your job description. So I think it's really about building the capacity of the leaders below me. And I guess the, what comes to my mind right now is when I sit with my executive team, which is comprised of my area director of ops, my area director of HR, area director of marketing, and then my three directors of operations. My goal is when we're sitting in this meeting every Wednesday at nine o'clock, I'm focused on not saying anything, listening to make sure that we are staying on course with the conversation, that the right questions are being asked, that there's a forward thinking um, mentality and that we're focused on our four pillars, our vision, vision, mission, purpose, core values. Everything is kind of filtered through that. But <laughs> the other thing I guess that's changed is I literally have, when we go to vote on something, there are times when there's, we're almost unanimous because there's enough dialogue to kind of get uh, everyone to kind of process and think, and we can just roll with it. But there are times when we're, there's some friction and we do have to roll to a vote. And when we get to that point, we go around the room. I'm the last one to speak. Everyone gets 60 seconds. After that 60 seconds, and no one can speak during that time, you have a 30-second rebuttal. You can either choose to comment on what somebody said. You can reemphasize your 60-second statement or you can pass. I get the same and then they vote. The goal is, is that I want the organization to be led and ran by my team. And I just want to be focusing on influence because I can't do this without them. So that's amazing. Whereas when I had the second store, we had the same executive team, but it was more, um, I want your input, but I'm probably going to make the final call. So there's kind of been a shift to when I had one store, there was no executive committee. It was just conversation with my GM at the time. And um, she would get input from the directors and leaders below her. So really big shift there in really treating your executives as executives, right? They're coming in, they, they're owning their business area. They have big pieces of input. They're, they're making a decision together. I love how you describe how in the, in the MR2, we might say, you know, you had the one location, second location, it, it was still largely your final decision, but now you've really pushed that to, to say, no, I'm, I'm trusting y'all. There's a lot of 
trust built into that that approach. So it's nice that you have a team around you that you you trust that well. Uh, how was that hard a hard shift for you? I mean, that, how, how did that kind of go against your your personality? How was that maybe a difficult shift? Well, I had already been starting this when I had the the second restaurant a couple of years prior to the the third opportunity, I started to kind of go down that road and it, it was tough. Like I remember the first example where I literally was so frustrated with the decision of them wanting to create another hierarchy, a team leader position. And I saw it fail before because our leader above them, what we called shift leader would just dump responsibility and stuff onto my team leader and they weren't qualified. They weren't trained. They weren't equipped. And it was very frustrating and they couldn't see that because they never experienced that um, point of time when we went through that already. And I, um, I literally just tried to had to influence them to the point where we kind of both won because we went from a team leader addition to a drive-through leader addition. I'm like, okay, we got someone just specifically for the cockpit, but not all the way across like a role that a shift leader would. So it, it was difficult, but a little frustrating because they never felt the pain that I did a few years earlier. That's a great example. Thank you for, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so it is, you're learning, you're, you're having to change yourself and if you don't, what happens if you don't change, you don't grow? What happens to your business? I mean, what, how does that play out? Well, it, you take away, I guess, the a feeling of being micromanaged. I think you get more buy-in and more influence when you're just trusting your leaders. And yeah, I mean, you know, Dan Cathy had this great example. I remember we, the executive team came to Denver and they were kind of walking into all our restaurants, all strategic and split, like to see different perspectives all at the same time to really get a great snapshot. And I remember Dan Cathy came to me in the back and it was right around the time of backstage tours. And he's like, Scott, your, your kitchen is like phenomenally clean as old a restaurant as that is. It's like, are you doing backstage tours? He's like, no, Dan, you know, I'm, I feel like we need to get a little bit you know, buttoned up and I've got some concerns with some safety. And, and he's like, look, Scott, when I took over for, uh, Jimmy and I knew I had some big shoes to fill. And my philosophy was, look, if I can at least get this business 95% moving in the right direction, that's going to be a huge win. You're never, ever going to be perfect. There was only one person that was ever perfect. That's kind of the, the the mindset and logic behind, you know, we may take some setbacks due to letting some decisions made without my um, decision, but my input. And I just look at it as how can I work better at influencing them, which again goes back to the relationship piece. There's that trust value. So if I focus on the relationships, I'll have more trust and I'll have more influence. So that was kind of the learning for me. And at least we met in the middle on the hierarchy change. And, but I think you got to be willing to know that every decision is not going to be perfect, but it's going to be some learning and growing and the benefit of just giving away some 
leadership decision-making is really going to go a long way. So Scott, we talked the other day about the difficulty in, you know, communication at the scale that you're at. What are some, maybe what's one tool that you find really effective for communication with your team right now? The biggest challenge, there's communication challenges at all levels. I think the biggest challenge we had going from two to three was whether it was the amount of people that we added to our organization, the type of people that were coming in with the change, you know, through COVID and things of that nature, we have found that we needed different platforms of communication and we just needed to make sure that the follow through of communication was there. So we've gone through a variety of at different apps, um, kind of landed back on, on Slack. We found that when we're having our executive team meetings that we need to get those notes filtered down via email to our directors. Um, we talk about it in our weekly meetings with our store leaders. And it's really just being open that one platform may only be, you know, temporary. Scott, I love watching you lead. I love you with your team. Your team loves you so much. I'm so glad I got to be there the day you, you opened the uh, the third location. It was such an exciting day. And just to see everyone gathered around you and celebrating that day. But I know that, you know, leading multi, even, even as you, you know, moved into that second location, it, it has its own unique challenges, right? That, you know, it, it just is new. And so what would you say are some of the top challenges for a leader who who's leading, um, you know, multi locations? Well, I think there's three things that come to my mind. Um, the first, the obvious is communication. We knew there was going to be some challenges. We just didn't know to what degree. And I think the one thing we realized is that we had to be open that our current platform of communication, whatever app we were using, um, whatever meeting style we were having, that we would have to adapt, we'd have to change, we'd have to be open to different apps and you know, regardless of costs involved, what's better for the whole, uh, we're not going to please everybody. So where is the majority of downward communication really working? Um, so I think just being open to adapting to other things, um, other ways, talking with other operators, getting um, their best practices and what's worked for them. Um, it may not work for us, but just be willing to change. And there can be some struggles with that. It's like, you know, we're always changing what we're doing. So I think you have to give it some time to whatever platform you change to. I think the other biggest thing is we, we saw slight impact or gaps in our systems and processes going from one to two, but whatever gaps we had going from two to three got exposed pretty dramatically um, for, for whatever reason. And it might've been the communication piece. Um, you're dealing with, you know, 300 people now, um, whatever that might be. But I think the, the third challenge, specifically when you, you bring in director of operations uh, from the outside or perhaps even from a, a, another Chick-fil-A restaurant is having them understand that although we have three different stores, we're under one organizational umbrella. And we need to act and be prepared. Like I've got a, a director of operations that wants to change our, change our training program for their store. 
And, and I'm like, well, that's fine. That's great. But I need you to get buy-in from the other two directors of operation. Cause this will be an organizational change because we move people around all the time. And there's already going to be a personality conflict from one leader going from one store to another. The last thing I need to put on their plate is to learn a new system, a new process. So it has to be uniform. So I think those are probably the top three challenges. Those are really good. Yeah, that that's good um, feedback and information. You know, there's there are some that have this opportunity to to go multi and really be helpful to hear some of those challenges because some of those actually still apply in going from one to two, and it's just it kind of gets exponential when you get to that that third level. So thanks for sharing that. I wanted to give you an opportunity, Scott, you're a wealth of knowledge. You've got a lot of experience and people all over the country look to you for advice. I know you've got visits all the time, people coming to see what you're doing and how you're doing. I've sent operators your way, I know, and they've brought their teams to come talk to you. What what might you share with, um, if you had, you know, you're having coffee with a, a peer, a fellow Chick-fil-A operator or somebody in, in kind of in your industry, what might you share with them as a parting thought on this call? Wow. I guess what comes to my mind is my purpose. Um, you know, we have this, this purpose of being a place to, to learn and grow. And it all starts with you as the owner operator, you have to do something, whether it's, you know, listening to podcasts or reading books. But what I find, you know, quite uh, valuable is, you know, find a group of operators that you click with, gather monthly, weekly, whatever it might be, and just sharpen each other. There is, um, that's one of my most uh, enjoyable things going to seminar or regional planning is really just the time with other operators. So I would say first and foremost, get with a group of operators that you trust, uh, that will be transparent with you and, and just learn from them. Get personal with them, get relational with them. And I think the second thing really is um, don't get complacent. It, it steals your potential. Scott, thanks for taking the time. This is tremendous. This I I really think this will be a blessing and a help to leaders out there listening in. Um, I know that a lot of people look to you for for wisdom and guidance, and and you're you're a pioneer in your industry. So I really appreciate you know what you've learned. Great job. Thanks for sharing with us today and being on the show. Always a pleasure, Jay, and I truly appreciate uh, your leadership and uh, what you've brought to myself and my organization. So I appreciate that just as well. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time. We would like to note that LeadersQ serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.